Who's JT? Justin Timberlake. Fuck. Not Justin Timberlake. Ryan, Please. who's JT? Your mother listens to him all the time. Wow. Who? James Taylor. Was he JT. From no, JT's from Boston or the Vineyard. He lived in the Vineyard. That's really disappointing that <laughs> we say JT and they think Justin Timberlake. And really, there's only I'm, I'm one over JT. It and I'm on the Justin Timberlake wagon too. Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? No, no, no. I, I've, I've converted. Are you going to try like- and compare JT talent to the real JT? No, they're not okay. even in the same. They're both awesome. Well, they're different music styles and everything. Talent. Else. I'm talking about talent. I think Justin Timberlake might take it. Anybody yeah, that was on singing really and dancing. Exactly. Anybody that was and on the acting. and acting. That's All right, hold thing. on a second. Hold on a second. If you call what he does acting and singing, I'm sorry. Versus oh, the real JT. He's good. As a vocalist. Falsetto, As man. A vocal- Come on. Falsetto. Do you know what he- can we get this started and get it over with, please? I don't know how I got pulled into this. I'm we ready. We can. We're ready when you are. You're the one who started us early. Go ahead. No, you open up all the time. Okay. Welcome to another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. I'm Joe Mullings. And I'm Holly Scott. We have Holly Scott in studio today. Again. Again. Special so, day. Mm-hmm. What's the subject today? Uh, an NPR article was brought to my attention by Michael Bacuso on the mixer right now about this idea called the Peter Principle, which I'd never heard of before. But the Peter Principle basically states that uh, people are promoted within their company for performing excellently in the role that they were in and not necessarily for their leadership skills. And so oftentimes people are promoted as a reward for how well they did in something that they will no longer be doing once they're promoted. Yeah. And so the Peter principle is being promoted to your level of incompetence on the short side. That's an old school. And it's funny because we're talking about JT beforehand. It's James (laughs) Taylor, not Justin Timberlake. But the Peter principle is getting promoted to your level of incompetence, basically. Right. Yeah. Have you seen this, Holly, when you were placing people and or, or following the trajectory of a company and seeing people getting pushed up higher in the ranks, but not necessarily excelling or playing to any of their strengths anymore. Yeah, it's interesting you use the word pushed because quite often that's what it becomes. Um, An individual may feel that they are obligated to accept a promotion, what's seen internally as a promotion. And we see it quite a bit because we do so much on the engineering side. And uh, quite often the best engineers are promoted into leadership positions and end up doing less of what they enjoy doing and are excellent at and do more of what they have either no skills or interest in doing, which is managing to timelines and reviews and everything else outside of what they really want to do, which is solve engineering challenges. So it's a, it's it's fairly common, and I believe it has been for, for many, many years. Yeah, what happens is high-level individual contributors are really, really good at what they do, and they end up getting promoted to quote-unquote manager um, which is different than being a leader, but let's just call it a manager right now. Uh, and then, so you've taken that high level overachiever, individual contributor, moved them into a manager role, and then you're expected to be a good manager, but you're given no training. And then what happens is typically you don't do a good job. And we had a client, I mean, it's a quick story. We had, we had a client who did this exact same thing out in the Bay Area, promoted a very high level, like incredibly talented person, moved into a manager role. He got a lousy review in the manager role because the people he was quote unquote leading weren't happy with him. 
Um, he wasn't happy that for the first time in his entire career, he received a less than optimal review. He got so pissed, he resigned. And ultimately, it's the company's fault. They have to own the whole thing because they never gave him training. So to not make the mistake again of promoting someone from within that same department to a leadership role that they're not qualified for, what could uh, someone do within the company to fill that that position, that managerial or leadership position, not necessarily from within, but from without? So I think what you have to do is you have to do a few things. If you're the person getting promoted to a, a quote unquote role that, and put your ego aside that you are not trained for, and let's just make it a manager role, you need to say, thank you very much for the promotion. Um, now, what training can you provide me so I can be the best possible manager I could be? And shame on the company that assumes that somebody's a really good individual contributor is going to be able to index over to being a good manager leader. And manager leader is a very, very difficult skill set to learn overnight. It takes years and years to become a people leader. Absolutely. Yeah. We've seen this not only in engineering, but also in sales. Everything. Yeah. We, I remember one instance in particular where the best performer in the country was offered the opportunity to be promoted up to a regional director. And that sounds so sexy and exciting when you're in the field and you're traveling all the time. And chasing and, uh, a title. Exactly. And, and, and chasing a title because the title was positioned as what to chase. There's not anything else. That's the bar. That's the bar that's created by the company, but also the industry, right? So the individual did what he thought he should do, took it, ended up playing to strengths that were not his, organizational skills, time management, documentation, projects, data-driven metrics to provide about where the, the organization is, where the field is, where their, his team was, and uh, he was miserable. He was miserable. And then he's stuck because... Quite often, at that point, your concern is, okay, do I fall from grace or perceived grace by going back to a reposition? Do I take this, this step back uh, or do I stick this out and, and stay within this type of role that I'm, I'm miserable in? So that can be quite, quite challenging. We've moved people, though, back into their sweet spot when they are self-aware enough to do so. We well, have done that over the years. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point. So here's what happens. You're, you're, you're the high-level individual contributor. You get promoted. You either don't like it and, and, and there's you, know, you don't feel good about it, so you end up leaving the company, mm -hmm. right? Or you end up getting asked to leave because you're no longer uh, you know, a high po, high potential. And then when you go to the new job and the reference checks are done, mm -hmm. and they're like, well, why are you leaving? Right. And, and you give a reasonable answer, but then reference checks are done and the reference checks come back that he or she really didn't do a good job and you're dinged. Mm -hmm. exactly. um, and that's a tough spot to be in. And we see it all too often because of all the reference checks we do. Right. Although the reason why you were promoted is because you were exceptional. Right. As an individual contributor, mm -hmm. which doesn't map to being a good manager leader. And here's another interesting dynamic to think about. Here's what happens in U.S. corporations. The lower level you are in an organization, the more training you get. If you've anybody who's been in a corporation who is listening to this right now or at this table, you get a tremendous amount of training at the lower level. And as you move up in an organization where you have the biggest impact, you actually get the least amount of training. So the least trained individuals in any corporation is the C-suite, the VP, and the director. Yet 
they have the largest impact on an organization. And the lower level people who are only responsible for themselves get the most training. That dynamic is so screwed up and it's all driven by egos. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's very true. You raised a good point earlier too when you said that the the individual who moved into the management position and didn't get the training from the company, the onus is on the company. They didn't provide it for him. As an organization like ours, our message is to offer empowerment to the individuals. They're driving their own career. And when you are moved in, as Joe said, you can you can ask for these things and also be reflective of what you're moving away from. If you are going into a role that takes on more leadership, do a real dig, a deep check on what you're leaving on the table. And that is the day-to-day task, the thing that you enjoy doing. What do you enjoy doing the most? Take inventory of it and be, and stand guard at what you enjoy doing the most. And if you forego that for title and money, typically it's short, short-lived. And then you end up burning out and, and you get into that dangerous position where there's no turning back. That's where it becomes incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. Well, let's say, you know, your company does provide the training, but you, at at your core, you are the salesperson, you are the engineer, you like closing, you like crunching numbers, you like this very specific role that you were performing before. Is there any way to go back? Is there any way to talk to your company and say, this Mm -hmm. is a mistake? Yeah, I I think it matters on the company size, the culture of the company. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes, again, on these types of promotions, I think organizations, corporations need to be hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. Right now, organizations are in the cadence of one review per year. When you move an individual into a new role, you need to increase that cadence dramatically in the first six months. In our organization here, you get 30-day reviews, I think, in your first 90, 120 mm-hmm. days. Like, we're on you plus every week, but the real formal ones, uh, we call them sinks, not reviews. Mm-hmm. When you migrate an individual from a high-level individual contributor to a management leadership role, you need to have probably monthly check-ins and real evaluations on what do you need? Where's the sore spot? It's okay to tell us you're insecure. It's okay to tell us you don't know what you're doing. We're there to help you coach you. Mm -hmm. And if more organizations would do that, I think you'd have a lot more of a positive experience on top line revenue and employee retention. Mm Because those are the two things you're looking at here when you get somebody in a position that they don't have the support mm-hmm. from the organization. Right. Give, create a safe place for that kind of candid dialogue. Because if that's not there, like schedule you said, it in. Goes. Don't create a safe place, right? Safe place is like huggy, squeezy. Like part of this is going to be look, we're going to schedule 30 day reviews or sync ups. Don't even use the word review because we've gotten away from that because mm-hmm. it infers like, oh, you're judging me. Right. Ratings. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah, ratings. Let's mm-hmm. do a sync up. And okay, 30 days, What ha- what's happening right now that you didn't expect to happen? Mm-hmm. And maybe back to your safe place, how are you feeling? Because you were a rock star as a sales guy, and now you're asked to manage those people. Right, and, and a safe place to fail, frankly. It, it, you, you have an employee who's coming that has been a performer, is now given a new resp- level of responsibility with an entirely different, res- totally different deliverables. And if they fail and they don't, have that safe place, you better believe they're calling us because that's what happens. Yeah. They get put into these roles, they don't have the support and they're sink or swim, or at least perceptionally speaking, it's sink or swim. So they're looking outside. And the reason they're looking outside is because they they don't have that safe And oftentimes they don't want to leave. And it's not about a hug, it's about yeah. getting fired. Yeah. Uh, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. 
those you don't want to have that kind of, of feeling when you have a new role. But it's everywhere. So our society does that. I'm gonna I'm gonna even step back a little bit more. So <clears throat> my son's soccer team, right? They're number one in the state. They're top in the country, and so they're 16 years old. And you know what happens with sports teams these days? Who do you think gets picked as the captain of the sports team? Usually the best player. I'm the best player. Not mm -hmm. the best leader, mm -hmm. but the best player. And then you're picked as the captain of the team, and the coach doesn't give you the skills to captain, mm -hmm. doesn't give you the skills to lead. And so when you then don't have the skills to lead, you're an ineffective captain. And that is done everywhere. We end up rewarding the highest performers who may not very well be the most empowering, enabling leaders. Mm -hmm. Look at Michael Jordan, could be the best basketball player of all time, was a terrible coach, right? Mm -hmm. right? Kobe, terrible. And usually your best coaches were at best average players, but are phenomenal leaders. Yeah. I mean, you see it all over startup culture on both coasts and around the world is the person with the great, the great idea, the genius move is now the leader of the company and that those don't map to being the same skills in any way, shape or form. I've definitely worked for that person who's, you know, like a man child, super like a savant, but has no vision for the company and has no way to get everybody to share that vision at all. Yeah. And we, and we talk about that and we give guidance to our startups on that is when the VCs come in, the first thing we ask is, okay, who's leading the company? Is it the founder or is it the startup CEO? And then when are we going to evaluate that person and have you early in the relationship with that person discuss that, Hey, at six months, you may or may not be the leader depending on where we are. Let's reconvene. And then let's look at if this is a good role for you or what we need to augment your skills already because most great startup leaders are horrendous manager leaders because they lead a technology or an idea, but eventually you need the how around the why. The why is always driven by the genius. The how is the complement to that, like was and jobs, right? There you go. I mean, jobs was the why, was was the how. Right. And most great organizations have that great operator tied with the visionary. And that allows that to perpetuate itself as a successful organization. When you start asking for coaching or if the company's sort of smart enough to offer it, is it important that they look outside of the company for that that coaching and leadership? Is it important to get a fresh voice, fresh, fresh pair of eyes in there? What a, what a, what a great question. Um, always. Always. Here's why is when you get coached inside by the head of HR or quote unquote, your mentor, leader, manager, um, you still have a protective skin on you and you're still worrying about being judged. Uh, and it does impact your quote unquote review. And most people don't want to reveal their fears. The best coaches will first go into what are you afraid of? And what are you moving towards and away from? And what are your insecurities? Let me sort of give you a safe place to explore those and give give you the tools to get beyond that. That's really hard to do in an organization. The smartest organizations outsource that in a safe place and you get the best performance from the individual that way all the time. Agree. Well, that's that's clear. Yeah. You have to get outside of your own thinking. Yeah. As mm -hmm. From a coaching side here, I mean, mm -hmm. our organization's getting to a point right now where I might not be able to offer the best ROI on coaching because... Um, it can't be the world according to me all the time. Holly's the how. She may need more in order to step away from not always 
mapping it to the Y and she might be empowered, even blow by her great skills right now from a professional coach, mm-hmm. right? Who's dealt in that area. And a, and a leader needs to know that. Yeah. It can't be the world according to me. Right. So, yeah, I just think that as a society, we need to get around that having all the answers all the time. And we were talking earlier about um, these quote unquote soft skills being Mm. fundamentally, ultimately more important because as you were saying, the hard skills are replaceable every day more and more with AI, with machine learning, with, you know, IOT, everything is being mapped to gathering information and using the information logically. Computers don't feel they don't think intuitively. They don't interpret, you know, goals and, and meaning. They just interpret facts and concrete information. So those people, I think, who can figure out how to have a, a shared vision, how to motivate people to share that vision with them and to move towards a cohesive goal, those soft skills, as you were saying, they become hard skills. They become the skills that are fundamentally important to success. Yeah. And soft skills, to me, they're the highest value skills. Right. Um, and they require a lot of practice. They require a long time to put into practice. Um, And like any technical skill, some people are born with certain ability to handle numbers and other people's are born with certain ability to feel what's going on in the room Mm -hmm. and be open to that. And now if you give them the formal skills to facilitate that, then you amplify those natural skills. And that's where really where you have an overperformer across the board. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Holly. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks, Michael, for this one, the Peter Principle, Hidden Brain Series on NPR. Thank you. Yeah. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you're going to see more and more of this explored in the high-performance workplaces. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have antiquated thinking. Um, and again, it comes back to the higher the level you are in your organization, the more open and driven you have to be on getting coaching on the people who, who impact the mass not the individual. And and it's just a weird dynamic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thanks, Mike. Well, this has been an episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. I'm Joe Mullings. And I'm Holly Scott. Tune in next week for another episode. Thank you. So put it this way. There's literally hundreds and hundreds of Justin Timberlakes on YouTube. Oh, come on. There's only one JT. Justin Timberlake has one of the best SNL sketches in the history of SNL. I would not disagree with that. (laughs) 